As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. There's sort of a fun first day of school energy right out of the gate whenever training camp comes around. And then there's an even more fun, like, first day of the second semester kind of vibe whenever the pads come on. Yeah. Or maybe it feels like the end of... There, there's a payoff once you get there. And then, you know, you get a couple days of practice and a couple more days of practice and then a day off and then a couple <laughs> more days of practice. And somewhere, look, I, I only went up to St. Joe the one time so far. Seth, I know your plan to get to St. Joe is, is in the future if you make it down here this year. But, Nate, you you have dual you have dual citizenship in, in ah, the greater Kansas City area yes. and in St. Joseph, Missouri. And I just kind of want to check in and find out where your morale's at, how the food has been. Um, did Herbie get his pancakes? Like, sort of the really important <laughs> things that people are dying to know about. <laughs> pancakes are obviously, you know, last... Last day of camp, we have a big breakfast. It is a joyous celebration. We also haven't gotten to Zarda Day. Um, there's a day mm. where Zarda, you know, really basically caters to the to the team. Um, we get the runoff on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as, and the bones left over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, hey, on some gristle. Hey, hey, look like, <laughs> hey, y'all, look like the fellas didn't want some beans. You want some beans? Um, <laughs> So, hey, there's some beans left on Carlos Dunlap's plate. Do you want to just eat them? We don't get any silver where you eat them with your hands. That's not oh, none of that's true. The shoot. people at Zara treat all of us are incredible. Well yeah, up. that's why that's yeah. why they get name dropped because everyone's just so damn so grateful nice. that they that they also feed the media. Yeah, so they they do a great job, and and of course it's a way for them to to get their annual promotion at, at Chiefs camp. So Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, is the halfway point. Um, that will be the practice that is at the top of the hill and then everything after Saturday will get us closer to the end of camp. So we're sort of at this midway point. Um, my body has held up pretty okay. Um, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta hydrate kids. Um, you know, some people have asked me and I've given, I think, you know, as quick of an answer as I can, but it's, it's a nodding and it's a yes, ma'am. And a, and a, and a yes, sir. I drive to St. Joseph and back every day so that I can sleep in my own bed, have time with my family. Um, 
and and really understand that yes, I'm writing in between all of this. Obviously, I'm rushing back to start the podcast. Um, what I will say, and I know Seth is you know planning on coming. You're going to be there a little bit more, Josh. Um, I can report, fellas, boots on the ground. Mm. Um, that people really appreciate uh what we try to do around this time of the year. So a couple quick shout outs before we really begin on this lovely journey that is what is going on at Chiefs Camp. Um, but today it was Jack, Max, and Reed uh who said hello right as practice was ending today. Uh took a nice photo with them. Those guys are great. Of course, Seth has introduced me to Clint. Um Clint came by I believe a couple days ago, and we got to chat for a little bit. He he actually he said, "Hey, I'm in the VIP tent. Do you want a fruit cup?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Like, More I was like, than anything." anything. <laughs> like I did, I I saw the text too late. It was sort of as practice was indeed, and I was like, "He's probably like, just go home, Clint. Just drive back, man." Uh, but it was such a great sentiment from him, and I know he's listening. Look, uh, my cousin-in-law Nick Wegman came from up north. Uh, I didn't see the kids, but they had a great time with the cheerleaders and and Casey Wolf, and obviously they saw Patrick Mahomes throw a football in person for the first time, and that's kind of what camp is really supposed to be for fans. Um, Chris and Becky, they work at the University at Missouri Western. They're really tight with my sister-in-law, Emily, so it was so fun to meet them. And then lastly, uh, my guy, he's done it two years in a row now. Michael Rita said, what's up? We got to talk a little bit. He wore his All Juice t-shirt, um, and so... Yes, while I look at one-on-ones and while I look at where is Carlos Dunlap and, okay, will Orlando Brown say all the right things? Kind of did. Um, <laughs> between all of that, you know, is Andy Reid hot, sweaty, pissed? Who knows? Um, between all of that, it has been fun to know that people have said, like, hey, 200 episodes, that's great. Um Thank you so much for doing this. Now they have an idea of when they come to camp, like how to interact and sort of uh, get themselves in the right positions to sort of see everything. So that's been a, that's been a true joy is like you are getting that chance to interact with people that listen to the show. Um, obviously, some people have said that uh, my John Elway takes were not sufficient. <laughs> Good. And Hold his feet to the fire, people. It's like finding a senator, a senator out in the wild. You have this one opportunity to tell him what you really think about their and, policies. Tell and, Nate what. Tell Nate to uh, to abolish the Elway hype. And I can, all I have to say is he won two Super Bowls. He went to what? Did he go to five, four to five? I don't know. He won. Eli two. Manning, all time great. Yep, that's exactly he's right. Better, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this in good. Than Eli Manning. Just, oh. I mean, not statistically, but you well, yeah, know, and Eli Manning oh, didn't. Eli goodness. Manning didn't lose a bunch of Super Bowls, also. So <laughs> he did. Yeah, Eli all, all I heard was loser in that. So. Yeah, to my, to to Eli's credit, he did he did beat the greatest quarterback the sport has ever had. Twice. Yeah, that game ruled. No, oh, bo- both games ruled. Um, both games. <laughs> both <laughs> games incredible. By the way. Did you um, hold on? I'm sorry. Did yeah, go you ahead. Say Miami Dolphins legend. legend. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's the greatest. He's he is actually the greatest quarterback <laughs> Miami Dolphins have ever had. Just sort of by process of elimination and closeness. I mean, um, uh, just the amount of tampering. To get, to shut down Tyree Kill's podcast, by the way. To give if, if Tom Brady ends up in Miami next year, oh. Tyree Kill's podcast is going to be wiped off the internet. <laughs> oh, it's 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 amazing. 
Um, but hey, we tampered for three years and we have nothing to show for it, including picks that used to be ours that aren't ours anymore. Um, you know, the most egregious, like I just been saying the most egregious, just like at any moment in time, just, oh, by the way, guys, it was the most egregious. Um, so a lot of these have been going on around the league that do not concern the chiefs. Um, but it has been a, has been a bit of an odd camp fellas. And I know that like people want to know what's really going on. So in the short of it, you never want rain because rain prevents fans from seeing a practice. But when it's the third day in pads and we're getting close to the midway point, now we get to one of my favorite things, fellas. I, we should have like music for this, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's one of my favorite games of the year. It's the indoor practice that I cannot report about, but I'm a reporter about it here. dun 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 what do you want to ask me fellas so that i can suggestively tell you the truth without uh incriminating yourself seth you're a lawyer yeah yeah this is for you guys right yeah 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 i mean no one shared this segment to andy reed so uh nate are you were you able to observe people moving at times during this practice oh yeah oh yeah i got it would, all for you baby would would one person <laughs> and not necessarily you would some people have opinions with regards to people that might be moving a little bit differently um one might say superior perhaps to other people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um would, would, where are you going would any of those people uh, be people that play? Would someone say, not you, but would someone mm. say that perhaps of the wide receivers, perhaps there's people that are moving differently than other people? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would, I would tend to say that. And you know, there's one person who used to be good, who may not be good anymore, and there are people that are new to this who appear to be better than anticipated. Well, that's fascinating. Um, your Honor, if I if I could interject, I know this is uh, I'm not Seth. Uh, Seth, I'm going to ask you a question. Actually, um, ha- have you kind of gotten any feelings about the backfield to this point? Has anything kind of seemed intriguing to you in terms of how these guys have been used? I think it's been interesting that you're seeing some more downfield targets based on the limited amount of things that mm-hmm. we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is I this is this is an exceptional way of doing this. I've I've often thought that it seems interesting that it appears they're targeting running backs more often and at all levels of the field. <clears throat> it also appears that certain receivers, like just as a name, as an example, right? This is sure. an example. Example, yeah, yeah, yeah. just an yeah. example. It also yeah. would seem like as an example, let's say just to throw a random receiver out there, Juju Smith Schuster also mm-hmm. seems to be running more intermediate and deep routes based on my very limited view of mm-hmm. things. About mm-hmm. than one might have originally thought. That's just mm-hmm. something I've observed in the things that are, of course, publicly available. Sure. Well, one thing I've noticed that was that's been publicly available is I, you know, I really was pretty optimistic about Ronald Jones, how much he was going to be used mm-hmm. um, in this offense. It seemed like there was a role for him, mm-hmm. but then I don't know. I mean, I, could there have been an impact when they signed Jarek McKinnon as Lil Poppy for real? Those are those are a lot of questions that I've kind of wondered just out loud to myself. Little Poppy. Now. Here we go. Um, There's unbridled optimism. 
And within that, there has been no signs of slowing down. Once you pop, you can't stop. (laughs) The things that they showed in an indoor practice that no fans were able to unfortunately see uh, leave one to believe that someone might not be on the team September 11th. Mm-hmm. But that someone probably isn't going to be Isaiah Pacheco. So think probably, about Probably so I mean, if you're going to say again, I want mm-hmm. you to of course don't want to lead the witness here, but would you say that uh, the the running backs um who were you know the the veteran type mm-hmm. of running back, perhaps the ones wearing single digits um <clears throat> Would you say that their roster spots are uh, are safe, are guaranteed? Tenuous. Hmm. Tenuous, my friend. Hmm. Um, now, look. In these indoor practices, you cannot say who's running with the ones, who's running with the twos, who's sprinkling with the threes. There's a guy who is sprinkling with the threes alongside someone who has yet to play an NFL snap at receiver who was drafted a year ago. And his uniform number probably doesn't have two digits. Might not have two digits. Mike's doing a lot in that sentence. (laughs) I, uh, I, I don't know if you're going to recall this until I mention it, Nate, because it might have been you who was on the... I mean, honestly, now, were you even at this practice I'm thinking about right now? Who's to say? I don't even know if I was there. Um, but during mini camps, when I was near Arrowhead in the practice facilities and everything... Oh, yes. Um, and again, did I get inside the fence? Was I viewing practice at that time? I would hesitate to say one way or the other definitively. But at some point, I, I asked somebody... Could have been you. Could have been anybody. Maybe I wasn't there. Maybe I didn't ask. The question that I considered was, is that uh, John Christian over there? And somebody went, Roderick Johnson. I went, huh? (laughs) 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 And then that was something that, you know, I haven't, we have, no one has discussed or even thought about since then. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I was then able to consider in the future. So whenever Roderick Johnson was running with the ones in training camp, as the information that was publicly available indicated, I wasn't surprised by that fact. Right. right. So anyway, that's totally neither here nor there. But like, if Ronald Jones is is cut, you know, come cut down day, Nate, is that something that would surprise you? <sighs> These things are fluid; they change over time. Um, and you don't have any inside or like indoor practice information. I want to make that very clear. Yeah, I mean, I was there, but I wasn't there. Um, there could be anywhere. There could honor. be anywhere. He's he's gonna, you know, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to earn it in a way that I was not anticipating. Now, again, things have mm. changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was a lot of hope for a bigger gentleman wearing a red jersey with a five in his number and. That's going to be a longer project, a longer journey towards, you know, prominence and or reliable contributions. So Patrick Mahomes is not ready for the spotlight. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Large gentleman, five in his jersey. Okay, I'm back. I'm, I've caught up. I got kind of lost there for a second. Yeah. And 
Look. Tommy Townsend, not ready for primetime. Not not ready. Um, I think Tommy Townsend will be just fine. <sighs> Something is occurring. And I put it on Twitter today, and I'm sure people may have seen it. Um, someone that we beloved is 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 trending downward. And sometimes that happens in camp. Because a Sandy Maje- a, a Majestic. Like, I was so worried that's ma- who it was going to be. A Majestic White Horse on a Sandy Beach is, he's different. And he's in tuned. And he's taking repetitions alongside some gentlemen that you may have heard of. This is so tough because I really want to be, I want to be unbridled, some could say, in my excitement for a particular white horse on a sandy beach. Yeah. But I, but I know what else that means. So, Seth, I want you to ask me any question regarding here, a, Seth. Ever, ever, a defensive player. Name that individual and my audible sounds will tell you. <laughs> no, I'm excited. Going. I'm excited for that. And uh, and obviously, Nate, what I assume you meant by that is you yeah, want me you, to name some players and say some things that I think. And in the meantime, you'll be paying attention and whatever sounds you make. I mean, if someone wants to read into those, that's their call. That I mean, that's their. That, right. Yeah. You know, yeah the interpretation could be many. Yeah. It could offer many interpretations. People but can I'm think just, whatever they want. Yeah. I, before, I, but, but before we move on, I just want to say like these, I have considered these sounds. I am willing to testify on behalf of these sounds while also knowing that, again, we are almost halfway through training camp. So things could change. Things could be fluid. But these sounds brought to you by my body are true indications of where we are on the defensive side of the football. All right. So, you know, one thing that I would say that, you know, my opinion personally is that uh, Frank Clark is looking slimmer and more explosive off the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and uh, the, the, uh, the, the thing that's interesting to me, though, is the idea that it really seems like he might be a little more bought in this year because he realized, hey, look, a contract year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the, the other thing that interests me is watching George Karloftis who might, who might have some power. He, he might be a guy that maybe looked even more impressive once the pads came on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I know when I, uh, when, I think of, when I think of this defensive line, I am, however, a little bit concerned about uh, interior guys not named Chris Jones. And I have a feeling that they might not have anyone that's really showing out, although I've been a little encouraged by Tershawn Wharton. <sighs> this game is this game is terrible. Huh. Huh. Well, hold on. <laughs> you know, Seth, I, uh, can, I ask, can I ask you about a player? I'd um, love to be asked about a player. What, what's, what's kind of your expectation? Not Nate's. I don't want to know Nate's or maybe hear it in a clear sound that might indicate where Nate's at. Mm. What's your opinion on what you expect from Leo Chanel early on? <laughs> I I think people are gonna be surprised by the fact that Leo Chanel needs a little work. I love this game. Perhaps this is 
That's my favorite game in Tom Perhaps Tom's Leo Chanel's a dude that in run drills, you're like... <laughs> But on the other mm-hmm. hand, when he's asked to drop back and pass, you might be a little more like, oh, Nelly. And there. <laughs> hey, behind him, behind him, you got Justin Reed, though. Mm-hmm. And Juan and, Thornhill is back there. Yeah. Why? And, you know, Brian I, Cook, a new addition to the safety group. Mm hmm. I uh, it does look like uh, it looks like Brian Cook, Cook is out there hitting some people. Uh huh. Showing a little. And on bit the other of side of the ball, uh, Shane Bouchelle taking that job from Chad Henney. <laughs> yeah, I really want to believe in Shane Bouchelle. Honestly, that's kind of mm. that's 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 your uncle going. Mm. 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 Ooh. You know, I do have uncles that do that. <laughs> <laughs> this show talks a lot about zipping and unzipping, but Nate, uh, if you want to go ahead now, we can move to outside of the uh, the indoor practice. You want to yes, go ahead and unzip okay. your mouth again, just because. Uh, All right. I, All that right. was a very the degree of difficulty for that bit was enormous. I think you, uh, I think you crushed it. And uh, dear God, please, let, uh, we can use our words again now. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Goodness. Goodness gracious. Woo! Now, now We're the back reason to publicly available practices. Right. Now, the reason why I do that is because I didn't see these plays. I saw these plays. These is real plays, y'all. These are plays that could come out September 11th or later. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people running these plays have a higher significance than what I saw, i.e. today, Thursday, mm. pajama practice, 10, 10, 10s. Throw a little something together for the fans. It's a virtually a walkthrough. Um, but Wednesday, and I think Steve Spagnolo, I don't know if you've listened to the audio yet, uh, Josh, but like oh, I was Steve, playing in the Matrix Live, baby. Steve Spagnolo said, mm, yesterday. Woo! And you could just <laughs> and, and you could tell I was like, is he gonna give us something? He kind of did, but like even he knows yesterday was a real practice. Like Wednesday mm. in the rain, nobody watching. That's a real one. Um and that's all I can say. <laughs> so so I, I have things marked down in my brain. Um, and that maybe if we see something in September, I'll have a good enough memory to sort of recall it. Um, but yeah, circle circle it on your calendar. August 3rd was when they started doing some real stuff. And the interesting part to me in that is understanding the participation, the formations, the route distribution, the targeting mm. The positions of targeting and obviously, you know, who's on the field for certain situations because they're really getting into like game like stuff as camp moves forward gives me a real sense of like, oh, either somebody's trending in the right direction or somebody's got to make a lot of work up in about a three week time period. Well, so we can sort through a bunch of this as we go, but it, it kind of all aligns. I, I wanted to at least mention the latest piece from Seth up in the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Yeah, like, yo. Seth, you, you went all the way through to kind of sort out, hey, everybody, here's things I do care about, and here's things I don't really care about during mm-hmm. training camp. Nate just talked about pajama practices versus a real practice indoors that they're getting some uh, some secret work done behind those closed doors. But, you know, we've, we're now 20 minutes into getting uh, – some some groans and grunts of analysis along with what we've actually seen through these these uh what first couple weeks of camp now i guess we're at um what what is what is jumping out to you that you're like hey this this i'm interested in this over here don't waste your time because i feel like that is a, a helpful service you could provide i think 
yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd love to walk through that. I'm trying to like figure out how to like jump into it from ten thousand feet in the air without talking. For I, I, I think I I think if there's if there's an example of something sure. that has come up, you're like, hey, this right here is the thing I I am the most legitimately sure. excited about versus something I don't I don't really. Care yeah, what here, say. I, I really will, and you know, I wrote on the Chief of the North newsletter that you can subscribe to, you know, just if you want. Anyway. The things that matter by now, <laughs> things that don't matter. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're this deep into our our sound segment, you, yeah, you can also read Nate's work on a website called theathletic.com. And nah, if you go yeah, there, but... you can subscribe and you can read all of that. And if you haven't done that, despite being a listener to this podcast, I don't know how you got this. Far, I honestly, question your you. life choices if that's yeah. the route you're going. Um, but keep listening, please. If you do, please. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, do stay right. <laughs> like, like an easy example of this is, um. People have really had a lot to say about one-on-one drills between um, wide receivers and corners during non-padded practices, um, or even team drills during non-padded practices. I just don't care that much about that. It doesn't mean that you can't take anything from it because they're doing install and it matters if a guy's showing good hands, good zip, good breaks. But the reality of the situation is that one of the most important and difficult traits for a wide receiver or tight end when running routes in the NFL is running through contact and being able to get through that contact. There's a reason they limited it to five yards because it does such a good job limiting what you can do. But let's face it, guys hit guys beyond five yards all the time. It happens constantly. It's just more regulated than it used to be because, you know, like Otis Taylor, like would run downfield with two guys like hanging on to him. Like it's a little <laughs> different and he still was a, a beast. So, right. I mean, that's, it's unbelievable. So, when you have less pa- less padding, you have less contact. Just by default, that's how it's going to happen. And so that's why you often have speedy receivers that maybe don't show as much when the pads come on. You have them really show up in non-padded practices because they're not having to run through contact. Maybe guys, or even like like or even guys who are a little bigger and slower, who maybe if they get jarred off the route a little, don't have the acceleration to make up the distance mm-hmm. like like a John Baldwin type for a, an easy example for Chiefs fans to remember. He looked way better in non-padded practice despite being huge because he could not if he got hit or obstructed on his route, he just wasn't fast enough or quick enough to 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 recover. So if people can't do that, man, this dude can catch anything. He's he he's actually pretty fast once he gets going, all that stuff. So that's something I don't care about. And then I mean really it should go without saying that in non-padded practice, like O-line, D-line stuff is not relevant. Like not way existent. less so. Like that barely matters. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, yeah. man. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Times Ours. Uh, you can follow oh. us on Twitter. <laughs> the, the the first point that you made, Seth, I think is the difference with Noah Gray this year um, in the padded practices. Um you know, there's there's just there's just a confidence that he's exuding right now that you can see in these padded practices, indoor or outdoor, for that matter, that is translated in a way that seems different from a year ago when he was a rookie and he clearly had skill and talent. It's just, hey man, <laughs> brand new level. Not um, Duke anymore. It's different. It, it, it is. This ain't the ACC, my guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with that. Just true. Well, there's a there's a there's a certain draft pick who was taken from the Pac-12 conference or what used to be the Pac-12 conference. Um, and it's, it's been very, it's been established very clear. Yeah, dog. These ain't Pac-12 quarterbacks. 
<laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah, dog. That that may have worked down there in Eugene. <laughs> that may have worked in Berkeley. Not, not going to work in St. Joe, my guy. And that's and you see a lot of that. Um, and you even see like players, kind of former players joking around about it. You know, guys that, that are kind of, you know, T-shirts and shorts heroes. They can't quite do the same thing. And that's how all these guys are incredible athletes. They're incredible football players. And the difference of 5 or 10% when the pads come on, that separates guys that are starters from guys who don't last in the league. Those are, those are very narrow margins. And so that that's worth at least considering the pads versus the non-pads. Another thing, individual great plays. They're so fun to watch. Love them to death. But every single one of these dudes is capable of making individual great plays. What matters is stacking a good practice on a good practice on a good practice, which is why I'm having a hard time not jumping on like the Juju Smith-Schuster and Sky Moore hype train. That's becoming difficult for me because it seems like it's daily. But, you know, any, you know, you're going to say, oh, man, this one guy made a spectacular catch. I'm sure he did. <laughs> I, I mean, all these guys, they, they're unbelievable. Yeah. But you're not going to, it just, what matters is consistency of performance. It's really similar to, in that sense, game tape. I don't really care if a guy had one really great highlight in a game, at least if we're trying to, like, I care about how it affected that game, but... I care if I'm trying to project who someone is, right? What they might do moving forward, which is what we're trying to do with training camp, right? We don't care whether they won or lost the the scrimmage there. We care about projecting. And for purposes of projecting, what someone does over time is much more important than individual great plays. You should safely assume that anyone who makes an NFL, you know, 90 to go to training camp, you should safely assume they're a spectacular football player that will occasionally do something crazy awesome. Is that, that, that that's a fair way yeah. of framing it? I think. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a I think very, so. It's a okay. very good way of, of of sort of you know giving an indication as to like what matters. You know, yeah. honestly, looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
there's one particular player that we just talked around a little bit that mm-hmm. I want. I kind of want to get a rookie report check from you in general, Nate, because I do think people want to know how the rookies all look. But can, speak on Joshua Williams for a second, because he we we knew who he was because of Fayetteville State, and <laughs> and we just talked about how hard it can be to get to St. Joe, but with, with you know from from the Pac-12 or the ACC, right, right. from Fayetteville State is uh, another other uh, level here. And it seems like from over here, it seems like he's gotten a lot of work with Rashad Fenton being out. And I'm yep. I'm legitimately interested how how much of that hype you're buying. I uh, I seem to I, I seem to to side with what I'm hearing and Steve Spagnolo. Now I, I want to say this um as best I can. It's still early. Mm-hmm. Um I think the team really wants to see him a ton against the Chicago Bears. Mm. Now, I don't know if the Chicago Bears are a great indication because have you seen their receiving core? Um, That's its own discussion. But those are NFL players, too. The tools and the coachability has been on display in such a way that it's kind of undeniable. Now, in a very charvarious ward manner, he may not be someone who can make the turnover play happen. Mm-hmm. But he can he can be white on that rice, and if he continues to develop proper techniques with the press coverage, with the ability to get somebody near the quarterback, it can work. It it might work for Joshua Williams. So I I tend to be fairly high on him. He was the first rookie that sort of showed himself to be like, oh, that's a that's an NFL player. That NFL player just stayed step for step with McCole Hartman. Mm-hmm. And didn't do anything like chaotic once the ball was arriving on time from Patrick Mahomes. Because uh, if any of us were on the field trying to, A, stay step for step with McCall Hardman, we'd all freak out when the ball actually arrived. We'd all be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I, I pass interference. No, <laughs> I, I, would, ta- I, I want to tackle this man. I wouldn't freak out and I would not commit pass interference because I would be 30 yards behind him. But I understand your, I understand <laughs> yes, your general. But if you, general had the, of it. Yeah, if you had the ability to be in the picture, sure. you, you might get a little, sure. <laughs> oh my goodness, there's the ball. Oh, he, he seems to, he's, he seems to be, he seems to be capable of overachieving. And based on where he was taken in the draft, that is what the team is sort of betting on, that you can overachieve based on all the things you have going in your favor and you applying that coaching at a faster rate than your peers at that same sort of place where you entered the league from. Um, do you want to move to, to Dunlap and Orlando Brown a little bit here now? Because this is the sort of the newer things, I guess, from our last episode. It's been relatively quiet, but we heard from Dunlap today. Brown is in the picture. Seth, you got partway through your Dunlap film review before uh, we, we did our last episode, but now you've got it the whole way, uh, the whole way up to speed. Is there any is there any housekeeping on Orlando Brown at this point, Nate? You you referred to did he say all the right things in his press conference and all of that? Any any relevant housekeeping that, that you think people need to know? Um, on Brown at this point with what we heard from him in the presser? Yeah, the only thing I would say is, and we didn't get uh, a definitive answer on this, but he looks to be in better shape than he was last year. Thank and, you! And that should be... Uh, now, I can't give you necessarily all the details. Like, you know, Frank Clark gave us a range. He he looks to be, you know, 12 to 14 pounds lighter uh, or more lean. Orlando Brown, it could be even a bigger margin from where he entered Kep a year ago, which means 
in a better body or, you know, more in tune body to, to maximize your, your talents in a scheme that you are more aware of. Cause it's year two versus year one. And with all the motivation in the world, cause you put yourself in this place, you know, by choice, essentially, um, with obviously the chiefs having their, you know, part of the conversation about the, uh, ex- you know, possible extension. All right. You've bet on yourself. This should all sort of feel like, um, this should all bode well for him being ready to go week one that I think was sort of a question mark the last time we spoke. Um, it's one thing to hear about the way a player trains, but then you, when you see him on the field, when you, you get the, you get a feel for how they move, you, you can, you can see their body in comparison to what it was a year ago. Um, and look, saying all the right things, you know, I think it's easy for fans to give the benefit of the doubt to Travis Kelsey when he says, I want to be a chief and I hope the chiefs, feel that same way too about, you know, me playing my entire career here. He gets all the benefit of the doubt because this is year 10 for him. And Mm -hmm. we all know where he going. He going to Canton, (laughs) y'all. It's one thing for that to, you know, seem easy on appearance. I do believe that Orlando Brown does want to be with the Chiefs past this season. Whatever happens after that, I can't guarantee. Hell, we don't even know what's going to happen this season. But at least he said it in a way that I thought was reasonable, um, considering he understands the benefits of playing with Patrick Mahomes, with being on a championship roster, uh, or, or a team, a roster that is contending for championships, I should say, and a head coach that like is <laughs> you know known to be a Hall of Famer himself. Uh, the thing that I asked a lot of people around the league is, if it doesn't work out here in Kansas City, where is a better situation for Orlando Brown now? that we can project from a year from now. And there aren't that many, to be honest. So he's smart. He understands that. Um, And I think if he plays well, he will get the guaranteed money that he so desperately wanted to tell us in public. But he was like, I can't, guys. I can't. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I came here because I want to be a leader. I know how much, I know how important the pads are, which he is actually right about. Like, hey, if I'm going to miss time in pads, yeah, Andy's going to be like, not happy. <laughs> so Patrick, who wants to feel in tune with his quarterback, or excuse me, with his left tackle and the blind side, and the whole idea of like, where are you going to be if I do this? Kind of need to see that in pads. Kind of need to get some some rhythm. And I don't think Patrick wanted to go into preseason games without Orlando Brown as his left tackle either, because football is a violent sport, and I would much rather <laughs> have the better left tackle than just a left tackle. So he said all the right things, but I do think it answers a lot of questions about how that season might go versus when we didn't see him and we didn't know when he was going to show up and we didn't know how he was going to look when he showed up. Uh, Seth, why did you, uh, why did you get so excited about uh, the shape Orlando Brown's in? Well, <laughs> I, I just am an excitable guy. It was just interesting to me because last year you can, you can look at the pictures of him, and obviously these things are, I mean, you're eyeballing everything, right? You're just looking at videos. You're not really there live. He looks slimmer and when your really only weakness as a player but it's a significant one right is change of direction the idea of losing a few pounds while still remaining this ridiculously wide-bodied dude with a zillion inch arms if he can just improve in his change of direction we're talking five percent like not even a large number, 
it really does mess with because he already makes pass rushers one dimensional. It, it really does mess with the type of pass rush plan that anyone can really put up against him. So it's interesting. It's also good to see because I know there were a lot of people concerned about, wow, you know, what kind of shape is he going to show up in? He would have been crazy to yep. show up out of shape. Like yeah. that, yes. that yes. would have been like a, whoa, huge red flag over even paying this dude long term, no matter how the season goes. Like that would have been a crazy red flag. Um, so I'm just happy to see it. A real quick handful of things that either he said or that people have said that I think is worth just a, a, a quick circle around. One is uh, whenever he says he wants to be in Kansas City, you there, you cannot respond to that with, well, why didn't you sign the deal? Because the because of the guarantees. Like that, yes. it, yeah. Orlando Brown wants to be in Kansas City. I believe that 100% because he's got Patrick Mahomes behind him. It's As you said, Nate, it's a good fit. He wants to be here, but he wants to know the Chiefs want him to be here for a long period of time. I think that is an incredibly reasonable line in the sand for a player to draw. Uh, I think there has been some silliness about what this whole process has uh, said about Orlando Brown. Even like Andrew Wiley talking today, calling Orlando Brown Travis Kelsey-ish in the huddle in terms of like being very vocal and getting everybody where they need to be and, and being a leader in that regard. That's stuff that look, you, you can't take every press conference quote at face value, but you, you get enough things about Orlando Brown that are like aggressively positive that I really do believe that his teammates feel all of that for mm -hmm. him. Uh, and I, I, I think that there was a sliver of the chance that, that Orlando Brown was about to sabotage his own career by showing up before the first preseason game, 20 pounds overweight. But I don't think that was very likely ever to what you guys just talked about. I think this all makes sense. I genuinely believe there are no hard feelings for anybody. I genuinely believe that they could trial this again next offseason and see if their numbers are closer. And if not, you cross that bridge there. Uh, also, Tevin Jenkins is on the trading block from the the uh, Chicago Bears. And if that Man. name sounds vaguely Man. familiar, Man. it's because he was going to be the guy at 31 when we talked. Yep. It was him. Yep. Ultimately, he and Liam Eikenberg were the two yep. guys that went within the next 10 picks after the Chiefs' original pick. They needed a tackle. If they weren't going to acquire someone, this isn't like even a justification for the Brown trade. But just as a reminder of, hey, here's the other multiverse. It's either Liam Eikenberg, who has been a part of, I don't, I don't know what his role has been or how much he's even played with a crummy Dolphins much. offensive yeah, line, but I don't, I think he much. missed some time. And and the Bears are out on Tevin Jenkins now. So I, I don't know. Uh, several parts of the way that this whole thing kind of got unpacked while the the holdout was happening and the deal fell apart kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I only feel better about sort of being in the. Brown and really both sides have been pretty reasonable about this sort of territory. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. One thing on Tevin Jenkins, they would have taken him over Leonberg is my understanding of that situation. Mm. And um, I think you liked Jenkins more, right? I did. I did. I did. I did the know right. your draft crush thing. I think we Jenkins, all kind of liked him. Jenkins was a guy I really liked. He actually had some similarities if you um, to some of the things with Brown that you talk about mm. in terms of um, incredibly strong player, crazy functional strength, lateral movement, maybe a bit of a concern. Um, honestly, I mean, send, send, give him a offer, call. Yep. Offer yep. a conditional yep. sixth and say, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll take him off your hands. I mean, I really like Kennard and I think, I think he could do good things. He got, he had, really good Kentucky tape, but you can never have too many offensive linemen, especially guys that are really, really, really strong. Yeah. The, the other, the, in, as it relates to Jenkins, um, I'm not, obviously these players didn't have the same injury and I'm not saying they are the same players, but I'm saying that 
asking someone to come in right away, and this is ultimately this is one of the reasons I should say why they didn't go that route, and obviously why they traded for Orlando Brown. A, Orlando Brown has been very durable, and um, they 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 believed he could ascend and and sort of get better at the position at a much faster rate than maybe Jenkins could, because I think Jenkins played mostly right tackle in college, um, and then within all of that, he had some injury concerns. Um, Mm-hmm. It's one thing to take an injury concerned player like Justin Ross when he is undrafted. It's an entirely different thing when you take that person much earlier in the draft or at 31, which I believe was where they were picking, um, and it to go poorly. That's where the risk management um part of the equation, trying to get your owner to be comfortable with that. Um, what does your medical staff say? So they would have taken Jenkins is my understanding of it all. If really put into a corner. Um, but when they look at all of it, they have, you know, they, they, they felt the reason and the need to go to Brown. Um, it was clear Baltimore wasn't going to give him an extension when he got to free agency. So there was some, um, motivation on their side too, but yeah, we could be having these same questions a year from now, or you know, I guess ten months or eleven months, whatever. Um, whenever he, if he is franchise tagged again, which that's the way it works, kids. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> if he plays well, where you can look around the landscape of the league and the draft and say, is there a better option that we can clearly access? And that might not be the case. Which then wisely you should say, we should probably you know get that guy on a long term deal. Uh, yep. which is, you know, usually how this works. Uh, so the other thing here, let's go back to Carlos Dunlap. He, he spoke to the media today. We can kind of talk about what we thought was interesting from that in a second. But Seth, you you got the uh, the full film review. And again, if anybody isn't subscribed to the newsletter or, or didn't check this out after it went up um, around the same time that the podcast went out, maybe a little bit later. But uh, that's it's all up in the newsletter right now, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Uh, what did you learn anything else as you continued going through more film? Did you did you build to a uh, a conclusion that maybe we didn't end up uh, getting to last week, or, or has anything anything opened up in your in your mind about uh, Carlos Dunlap and the unit he joins? Sure, I was able to go through a few more games to where I had a six game sample size over the course of the whole season, um, and that I also got to observe him with some matchups. Um, uh, one that was really valuable was watching him against uh, uh, Ramzik with uh, the 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 Saints, who is an absolute stud. I mean, that guy's yeah. so good. But and so I got to see him against a few really good opponents, a few kind of mediocre opponents, and then one really bad opponent that he just destroyed, which was hilarious. But that just happens. And by the way, really bad is a relative term. Um, <laughs> seeing him over the course of six games, it gave me a sample size enough to kind of draw a few conclusions. First thing with him, he's got a ton of length. He's a Steve Spagnolo guy. We talked about that last time. He really weaponizes that. Like, he has made a decade-plus NFL career out of the fact that he has really long arms and he has above-average strength with at least average quickness. And if you combine those things, like you were talking about like for an, for, for an NFL defensive end, you combine those things, and if you know how to utilize them, which he does you can be a really consistent guy, even as you kind of enter more the twilight of your career. Um, I got a chance to talk to Joe Goodbury, who does uh, analysis about the Bengals. Yeah, um, great stuff. 
Yeah, he does great a great job. And he was just he, – he gushed about Dunlap. He's like – I mean, he's one of the greatest Bengals of all time, like, mm. which says something about the Bengals. But, you know, that, that was mean. I'm sorry, Joe. But, <laughs> but, but, I mean, but Dunlap, I mean, he's beloved by their – I mean, it's like if you, some of the ways he described him would be a lot like the way someone would talk about – like I think a Chiefs fan would talk about Tom Bahali when mm. he was in the latter stages of his career but not quite the very end. Right. Where he was still like, this is a guy who can get a little pressure. He especially in big moments and you give him the wrong matchup and it's going to be problems. And even against good matchups, he's still going to get his every now and then. That's Carlos Dunlap. Not the same style of play as Halid. He he uh, uh, he definitely is more. He's a length guy and he, he utilizes that really well. I would say what everyone wants to know is, was he better than Melvin Ingram? I would say their their 2021 film like Ingram with the Chiefs and then Dunlap with the Seahawks was basically equivalent. I would give Dunlap the slight nod as a pass rusher in terms of consistency. I would say Ingram was the better run defender. Yep. And that's yeah. kind of where you land on it. So uh, all over, I'm, I'm more happy. I'm more happy about the signing than I was then. I think he's a guy that if he played 60% of their snaps, they're going to be happy with it. And good Lord, how many guys on this roster was that true about a week ago? What, what, one? Well, if Karloftis forced his way to 60% of the snaps, I'm sure the Chiefs would be thrilled. Yeah. If Frank Clark was going to play 60% of their snaps, I don't love that. But you also, but two guys playing 60 does not, does not equal uh, where the Chiefs were at even a week ago pre Dunlap. So that seems like a huge win in terms of that analysis. Yeah, and I also get the sense, too, that for Carlos, um, there might be a little bit more flexibility as to where he lines up in certain situations that may be presented to him in Seattle. Um, I don't know. You've watched this, Seth, but it seemed like things got weird in Seattle for Carlos. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, the team uh, had a bit of an odd season because, you know, uh, I I would call the Seahawks a slight disappointment last season. Obviously, you have to put into fact Russell Wilson's injury. Um but let me let me throw this scenario at at you fellas. It's third down and Carlos Dunlap is lining next to Chris Jones inside with George Karloftis and Frank Clark coming off the edge. I could see it. All Although- I heard was Carlos Dunlap lines up inside so Chris Jones can move back outside to his natural position. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Dunlap can do some things from the interior because then he, his quickness becomes a little more pronounced and he's got the length to be comfortable matching up against guards and really give them some problems. I think Karloftis is a guy that looked comfortable rushing from the interior as well. And so those the, you you have more bodies with the possibility of a faster, more effective pass rush. And that's so important. So I like that idea. I like it a lot. I, I Dunlap, he didn't move interior much for right. Seattle, um, but he he did rotate sides a little bit. It is kind of an interesting subplot, and I know we talked about it a little bit last time too, but it's an interesting subplot that he lined up most of the time at left defensive end, mm-hmm. which is where Clark is almost always lined up. It's just interesting. And, and I mean, it's just interesting. To just kind of see where it goes, especially with some of his quotes today. I saw he'd mentioned that, you know, they talked that they'd had playing time. Although it's obvious that they had snaps for him, right? Like, it's like, well, what team could I get snaps? Oh, hey, the Chiefs. Like, Mm -hmm. so I'm excited about it. 
it, it raises in theory if everyone stays healthy and his play is relatively commensurate with what it was in 2021. It raises the floor and the ceiling. And man, they especially needed that floor to get raised. <laughs> yes. Um, here is just, I'm going to warn you the saddest victory lap I've ever taken. So just please lower your expectations accordingly. But when the first gif in, in your piece, Seth, when I, when I read it, when it came out, mm-hmm. that first gif, that man, and then you wrote about the, the length. You guys have both talked about the length. And also there's a very important caveat where you talked about having the length and knowing how to use it. But watching him off the edge, I looked at him and went, man. I don't know that I have ever seen a guy in Chiefs red, at least, with that kind of length other than Tano Passigno, who is just, who just was a physical freak of nature at that position with the length, never fully put it together, obviously, although I just saw somebody today mention that he was uh, good in, in New Orleans last year. Hope, hope is having a good year. I like Tano Passigno, it didn't work here. But it was one of those things that I wrote down in a Google Doc, thought I might mention on the radio, never got around to, didn't want to compare the two as players, so I just... I just filed it away. And then today, Steve Spagnuolo gets up to the podium and he talks about how the biggest thing about Carlos Dunlap that the Chiefs didn't have was the length. Yeah, We haven't had length like that since TK. And when he said the the words, or I guess the letters TK, I threw my arms in the air to something to celebrate something no one else even knew that I had thought because, <laughs> <laughs> because I was so tickled that at least he just reminded both me and Steve Spagnuolo of Tano Passigno a little bit. But also, Seth, please say the things you need to say to make people not now assume that Carlos Dunlap is Tano Passigno. Hey. That's not what I'm saying. They just no, no, have no. they have a shareable frame. You sound like a new defensive quality control assistant there, Josh. That's Do what, what I you, can. That's what you sound like. <laughs> um, Passigno and him are built a little different. Dunlap's a couple inches shorter and probably 20 pounds lighter. Passigno is is, a, is kind of a huge dude, like low-key. Yeah. Um, and, Not and low-key at all if you've ever been within 100 <laughs> miles Oh, yeah, there. that I, is true. I, I do remember the first time I saw him on the practice field, and I was like, he is, yeah. how does he not have 30 sacks a no, season? No, he, yeah. he, is, he, is, he and Alan Bailey are two guys that are like oh. on the all-time, you would oh. assume this dude is a superstar. And he's just, he's not as wooden in his movements as Passanio was. Yeah. Um, and, and he just knew how to utilize that length and weaponize a little better, was a little bit quicker. Um, and so just those, those, those 5% increments, right. And, and being able, well, in terms of using his length and utilizing his hand placement, well, it was more than 5%, but so they're, they're different players in particular. I mean, even last year's Carlos Dunlap on film, um, was, was better in terms of, of his quickness and, and, and ability to move a little bit. And, and again, Passigno, he really is like, if you looked at him, you'd be like, could he just like eat a little bit more and then become an incredibly shredded defensive tackle? Because he really, uh, like I was surprised because everyone knows how shredded he is. But like when you stand near him, he's also like huge. Yeah, this is so here just to continue to welcome you into my into the crevices of my brain that compare (laughs) athletes to each other, despite them not playing the same type of thing. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just go cross sport and say that Tano Passigno and Aaron Judge give me about the same feeling where it's like, 
you shouldn't be allowed to play. You should have your own weight <laughs> class. Like you, you, you are a, you are a, a high schooler playing with sixth graders. Someone's going to get hurt. And then obviously for passing, you know, he was a, he's kind of a fringe NFL player and Aaron judge is, you know, basically Babe Ruth. So it, it's worked out for him at least. But I just, those, those types of guys just always, always make me just tickle to be watching sports. Cause you know how, how athletic or how built or how tall or how whatever you have to be to stand out amongst the best athletes in the world. It's right. Just, mm-hmm. right. It's always fun. Oh man, the best, the best times where, you know, it, it only, these, these type of things only allow me to think even more about Aaron Donald. Just. Yep. He's, yeah. He's another guy that looks that way. Yeah. He, uh, but like in a completely different manner and and that's, and that's the best part. Like, you know, all of these guys are incredibly impressive and obviously have dedicated themselves to the sport in in a manner that is truly commendable. But I just, like, I'm just never going to, like, I am going to be, like, whatever, however old I am. And I'm going to be like, look, there's two guys that, that matter and nobody else does. Their names are Reggie White and Aaron Donald. Just nothing. No, 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 no. I mean, TJ Watt's nice. All credit to him. Great player. He ain't Aaron Donald. And for as much as I love Lawrence Taylor, because of the speed and the violent combination. I just love Reggie White. Oh. Reggie White was Reggie oh. White. I don't think, I, I think you're not going to get a huge argument. If someone asks who the best defensive player of all time was, maybe Donald might start to enter the discussion and, and he probably deserves it. Um, but I mean, it's basically people are going to argue between White and LT. And LT, yeah. I mean, and, and even people who are diehard fans of other people, like 49ers fans with Ronnie Lott, Chiefs fans with Derek Thomas, even they are usually like, yeah, because it's like 95% of either one of those dudes is still look, an all-time great. And if you're of a certain age, go on YouTube and look up them Dick Buckus clips, because it's a <laughs> different world. Yes, it is. How did anyone survive that era of football? <laughs> How? How? <laughs> How? We see Oops. one we see one pop in St. Joe and everybody's like, ooh, is he okay? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> that was second down in February. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! Like, I, Dick Buckus, I, I, I just want to talk to the man to be like, you, sir, are an alien. <laughs> like, oh! I have another incredibly sad, maybe sadder victory lap. Would you guys like to hear something that I did look up and it <laughs> oh is boy. stupid? Here so Tano Passanio is listed on Pro Football Reference at 6'7", 289, okay? 6'7", mm-hmm. 289. That's a lot of dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on Baseball Reference, Aaron, so what I say 6'7", uh, 289. Yep. yep. Aaron Judge on Baseball Reference is listed at 6'7", 282. Man, I guess I guess I did not know Aaron Judge was that much of a monster. He looks like a cartoon character holding a toothpick. The (laughs) fact that his baseball bat isn't three times as large makes him look silly. (laughs) He should be out there with an oar, and he would still hit fifty home runs. It's but forty by August. It's unbelievable. Anyway, what I figured out now is that uh, if you're six seven two eighty to two ninety or so, I will be able to acknowledge you from TV or in real life that you are a big human being. Being. Yes. That is my uh hey, that hey. is my in- incredible party trick. Is the strike- I know I know six seven two ninety dudes are big. Is the strike zone a rectangle? Because I need it to be a rectangle. <laughs> yes, but it's <laughs> but there's not enough of one for him. It doesn't matter. It's impossible. <laughs> 
<laughs> the strike zone. The strike zone could be anything within the realm. The realm of his. I have to imagine ninety-five inch arms. Right. I just. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <sighs> All right, we got to wrap this thing up. Anything else, uh, Seth? Any anything else that's popped up? Do you want to tell people what's coming up on the newsletter? I know that they can uh, get in touch with some stuff right now on Twitter as well. So uh, you want to give the quick sell. I'm just going to be looking at some of the early narratives that have formed in training camp about whether it's about Clark, Moore, Juju, Karloftis, whoever. There's a bunch of narratives that have already sprung up. I'm going to talk about which ones I think are real and which ones I think are a bit of a fantasy. And I'm excited for that. I did it last year and I I, I was pretty successful in predicting some stuff. Um, but uh, I also got some things really wrong. So it'll be it'll be fun to look back on that. And then, and that and then you can get forward. in the uh, you can get in the newsletter bit.ly slash Seth really hates money and that's probably what Seth like I don't know a hundred bucks a month or something. Uh yeah you know something like that. It's, it's worth it. Even, that's what I would pay for it. it. It's 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 something it's something around you know a buck a month and you know whatever you know give or take. It's twelve dollars a year and Seth <laughs> is robbing from himself. Nate, any other final words? What do you want to point people to on the athletic? You got an off day tomorrow. So get to hopefully keep those keep that car parked in the driveway for Woo! a full twenty four hours. Yeah, that that'll be nice. Um, I I wrote about Carlos Dunlap today. Um, there's a few observations in there. On Saturday will be the who's rising, who's falling, kids. So you you got a little preview here, but you'll get it in full detail Saturday, which is another padded practice. Uh, we assume it'll be outdoors in front of everybody. Um, gonna be quite the sellout, I think in St. Joseph for Saturday's and Sunday's practice. And I think lastly, just, hey, it's it starts in a couple hours. Just it's okay. It's it's just preseason football. Like don't make it don't make it too big of a deal. It's it's all right. Did you I'm see wa- the Jags released a list of who's <laughs> not playing? It. And it's like it. it's like it's 30 people. Roster. Like every starter and I mean <laughs> And that's fine. I mean, that's I, fine. I get that's why fine. they're doing it. Hey, just, just, hey, just, hey, it's all about a ramp up. We're all acclimating back to football. Just watch a couple series of Jags Raiders or whatever the hell else is coming up in the next week or so. Just take it easy. Obviously, if you, you know, you care about the Chiefs, you can watch the whole Chiefs preseason game. But like, it's, it's, it's comfortable. And of course, Saturday is the Hall of Fame ceremony for the league. Uh, I had the, the opportunity to write about Dick Vermeil's legacy. Yes. Um, it came out earlier today. Um, and so it's it's been great. I've had a relationship with, with Dick Vermeil for about four years now, four out of the five years. I still remember Travis Kelsey getting emotional in the 2019 season when Dick Vermeil came in December and gave them like a very motivational, like you guys have a chance to be champions sort of speech with Andy Reid sort of pulling that card out of the deck. And everybody's just sort of, just sort of living through him. Um, so he's he's there's there's just no character in football like Dick Vermeil. And so it's really cool to sort of write about that. Um, but yeah, I mean I think the season really does start when you see the bus and you see the guys, you know, being celebrated for their careers. And, you know, this long, long season begins Saturday. But congrats to Dick Vermeil, who was obviously part of the Chiefs uh Organization for a little bit won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Obviously had a long career with the uh, with the Eagles. Um, by the way, is he also the only football coach that is not the leading actor in a movie, but is the like supporting actor in a movie in two football movies? It's incredible. But um, but yeah, that's it. And 
we'll be back to to, to get you ready for Chiefs Bears like next weekend. You don't sound nearly excited enough about preseason football. That's my only note on today's show. That and the fact that you are making me feel a little bit silly about the uh, about the fact that if the Raiders don't cover two and a half points tonight, I might have to sell my. Oh my goodness, Josh! What did you do? 